Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Waterbody podcast. It's our first one of the year. I want to wish everyone a happy new year. Um, I'm joined as always by my course, Gary Clark. How are we doing? I'm very well, mate. Very well, thanks for asking. Um, back from COVID, um, back ready, raring to go like, so let's do this. Yeah, you had a bit of a mixed Christmas, didn't you? Because obviously we were... Um, we were out on the 27th of December and then the 29th you were you were tested positive. Uh, I did. Well, I had symptoms and then the day after was New Year's Eve and uh, I tested positive on New Year's Eve morning. So New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, stuck in my room. <laughs> yeah, bad times, bad times. And uh, we've got a very special guest with us tonight. We're going to go over... Over. We're going to go over um, women's the women's football. Um, so we're going on the women's side of things, and a very interesting story, a uh, story of heartbreak, a story of uh, Phoenix rising from the ashes. To be totally honest with you, um, and to go over it, it's Paul Wheeler uh, from uh, from currently United Ladies FC uh, Radio. How we're doing, Paul? Evening, folks. You've given a better introduction than I could ever have given with that one. You've really talked me up. That's what I'm here for, mate, to be honest. I'm here for the intros. I'll be, I'll be shit for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> All good, good mate. All good, yeah. Um, obviously, from covering the story down here, which I'm going to talk to you guys about, it's been a fun couple of weeks, to say the least, and we still don't know where it's going to go in the future, but... It's a lot. It's looking a lot better now than it was just before Christmas. Put it that way. Yeah, I mean, to start from the, probably the very beginning of this story, really, it was it was Christmas Eve, wasn't it? When um, you know, Coventry United announced they're going into voluntary liquidation. Um, I mean, Christmas Eve. It's it's mental, isn't it? But it was it was the day before Christmas. It all kind of kicked off, if you like. But it was it was late on that day that we had the first official statement of it because it all started coming out. The first I heard of it was actually um, your friend of mine, Rich, yeah. from the Roker Report podcast, who obviously is involved with the lasses up there and you guys are involved with covering the lasses. And he basically sent me a message going, because I'd known him from when Sunderland had come down here earlier in the season with the radio commentary and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kept in touch. And he basically said, what's going on down there, fella? And I kind of went, 
um, what do you mean? What's going on down here? And he sent me a load of uh, links to various podcasts and various football journalists. I think Emma Sanders at the BBC was one of them. Um, there was the All for United Women podcast as well. And there was, you know, there's this story is just exploding in front of you. All this, oh, we've heard rumours of financial trouble at Coventry United. And then I think everybody uh, pretty much saw what happened. Basically, all the players turning around and saying, we've lost our jobs two days before Christmas. And then it went from there. And it was crazy. It was... I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it wouldn't my Christmas because that goes over the top, but certainly it put a bit of a shadow of it. Thinking of um, all the people who I built up working relationships with, and you know, really good people, obviously at Coventry United, who were having that dropped on them two days before Christmas. Yeah, I mean, as, as you said there, at least it, it didn't ruin, you know, you know, your Christmas is, is to say, but you're looking at. Um, I'm just reading some tweets um, here off, off off the players, really, and. You know, to have that dropped on you that you've lost your job, you know, two days before Christmas. I'm, I'm reading Olivia Clark here, who was a goalkeeper, and, you know, I have no words to come into work and find out you are no longer have a job that you've always dreamed of as heartbreaking. Thanks for making me professional footballer for the best two seasons. I mean, like, Gary, I'm going to ask you this question, really, is, is kind of like a, um, an outsider looking in, but how on earth can you expect any kind of reasonable answer from losing your job two days before Christmas? I don't think, I, to be quite honest, like, I, I don't think you, you can, in all honesty. Like, um, it's just, like, two days before Christmas, I mean, sh- like, surely, like, it's got to be illegal now. Obviously, it's not, but, like, it's just one of those things, like, you're going into Christmas, especially this year, when you can actually spend time with your family. This, last year, we couldn't. Like going into Christmas this year, being able to spend time with your family, it's like an exciting time to find out that you're gonna lose your job just before Christmas. Like it's it's ridiculous. Like it's 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 kind of heartbreaking as well to be fair because you you obviously they don't know where their next wages would like would have been coming from, um and they're gonna go into a new year having to effectively start again, which it's just I think it's just a bit disrespectful in all honesty. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and Paul, these are these are professional footballers, aren't they? I mean, the, the club gone in, I think, to, to turn professional earlier on this season, to start this season. Yeah, this they announced they were going to because a bit of a bit of background for Gary and, and indeed anybody else who hasn't uh, really been following it. Coventry United used to be uh, Coventry City ladies, and then as uh, people will know, all of the in interesting times we've had down here in Coventry with the men's team uh, and ownership with that the past five, ten years or so, which is thankfully now kind of beginning to resolve itself. Um, they split away. Another another team was basically created like almost like a fans team, like FC United of Manchester, yeah. um, called Coventry United. And the reason Coventry United play, red and, play in red and green and rather than sky blue is because red and green are like the civic colours of Coventry. Right. Um, and so there was a men's fans, like fans rent club set up that still exists and plays in the United Counties League, which is about step seven, I think, of the league system. Uh, and the women's team kind of grew out of them. The Coventry, They took over Coventry City women's team, if you like, um, rose up to the leagues to the FA Women's Championship uh, two seasons ago, three seasons ago now, in fact, if you count this one, 
mm-hmm. um, they ver- they, and came up through like the National League and whatever else and were part of Coventry United men's team. Then they split away from the men's team in 2019, if I've got it right, because, you know, my timeline still... Because I, I kind of... I'm a bit late to watching them. I've got to, you know, admit, I've kind of fallen hard and deep into watching them because... Yeah, I'm, I'm the same with Sunderland, mate. I think I've... I've uh... I think I'm about four years in, but it, but my timeline's exactly the same as yours. I'm like, I can't remember. <laughs> Dates are terrible, so don't worry about that. But, but, you know, I basically went to watch them because they play at the rugby ground in Coventry, the Butts Park Arena, uh, where Coventry rugby play, which is literally, I can see the roof of it from my house practically. Yeah. And it's very close to uh, Radio Plus where I work as well, right in the centre of Coventry, you know. Where a, where a proper sports ground should be. I know we've got all the grounds out by the edges now, the mm-hmm. building, but, you know, it feels like a proper um, sports ground. And they were they were advertising, they were trying to get fans in when they played Liverpool in the Conti Cup um, a good couple of years ago now. And, you know, I was like, well, we'll go along and watch it because tickets are much cheaper than going to watch the men. And, I, and usually I'm... We're, working on Saturdays anyway, mm-hmm. so I can't go and watch the men. So I went went along to watch them and just got hooked straight into it. You know, it was an instant, yeah, this is this is proper football mm-hmm. almost and seeing the girls play. Um, and so I kind of came in at the start of the championship era and I was watching them and, and doing a sports show for, lo- for local community radio and I realised nobody was covering them. So I started kind of talking about them on the sports show. And then I just happened to mention something to one of the people at the club after a game. Oh, you know, I'll do this. And then it was, oh, you've got to come and meet the chairman at the time. And the partnership basically grew from there. And then I was very lucky, my boss at the radio station, when I went to him and said, can we do more to cover this team? He was like, yeah, do as much as you like. Um and that has eventually evolved over the past couple of seasons to this season where we do the live home games. Yeah. Uh, which, of course, is a dream for me because I can be... One of my dreams has been to commentate on, um, you know, a hometown team on the radio after growing up doing your paper round and listening to the Sky Blues back when we were in the Premiership and, you know, good. Um, and that built to this season. And while all that was happening... Uh, a group of local businessmen uh, invested in the team or said they were going to invest in the team anyway and took a 49% stake in it in 2020. Uh, This is this Mirius group who then basically pulled out uh, very recently. And all the talk was we're going to turn professional. They turned professional this season, signed a whole bunch of very impressive names in the FA Women's Championship. Mm -hmm. Uh, likes of Katie Wilkinson, the top scorer the past two seasons and everything else, and had the usual struggles that a team turning professional do. Mm. And then, just as it was starting to come together, whoosh, gone. Yeah, I mean, I'm just like, um, I'm just looking at this statement there. I mean, this is, it's very... Well, it's it's not a statement, is it? Just with with regret, the board of directors have instructed BK Plus Limited to assist with placing the company club into creditors' voluntary liquidation. That's basically all it says. 
two days before Christmas. I mean, was there any alarm calls before that, Paul, like, you know, in the weeks leading up to it, or was it just slap bang straight away, you know what I mean? Like a bolt bolt from the blue. Absolute, absolutely nothing. I mean, you guys, you guys have watched football for a while, so you you know, certainly in the men's game, whenever clubs are in trouble, you find you find out about it. Yeah, you know, we've seen it happen in the past with various teams. We're seeing it happen with Derby now. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely nothing. Like four, four or five days before then, we played Watford at home, and I covered it for the radio and did interviews afterwards, and it was all see in January. You know, we've, we're off the bottom of the table. Be safe over Christmas. Come back and we'll really start pushing to get up the table. Yeah. And, you know, because... And this is this is something in all the coverage that has interested me because lots of, obviously, the the focus from people who watch women's football long Coventry United, there's been a lot of it. And there's been a lot of talk floating around about how the players would react and oh they're definitely all moving away even after the rescue deal has happened um and i saw i saw a rumor today posted uh from one of the uh blogs that covers women's football oh we're hearing that rio hardy is going to leave coventry united and all sorts of stuff Mm -hmm. and i think one of the amazing things that about this team and the reason that they were so gutted about it is because this is a very this was and is an incredibly close team this is this is like you know i suppose the stereotypical term is like a band of brothers but this is this is a group of people who are incredibly close to each other and there's players who have grown up playing in junior systems with each other and then their careers have taken them to other teams and this is their first chance they get to get back together so whenever i look at kind of all of this talk of oh they're definitely all going to leave i'm looking going it ain't all about money no 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 i mean i've been i can name you a a, a player AK ramshaw who plays for sunderland um you know as, as you know what's what's happened with sunderland over the last you know, a few years, Sunderland got uh, relegated two divisions. Um, you know, and Kira was playing for Sunderland in the WSL and playing well. Um, and Kira stuck by us, and Kira's still there now. You know, she's she's the captain. She's just had a birthday yesterday, so happy birthday, Kira, if you are listening. I'm not going to um, not going to say how old you are, <laughs> um, but you know, this is someone who who's probably sacrificed a good chunk of her career at, at, at playing at a higher level. And I'm pretty sure she would still be playing. Um, WSL now. However, you know she's chosen to you know get Sunderland back into there where they belong. Really, and I, I kind of feel this is the same kind of um, energy that what the what the what the current ladies are doing. Oh, very very much. If any, if anything, because obviously Sunderland were the first game that um, Coventry had when they came down. I was very impressed with them mm-hmm. at the Burt's Park Arena, and. You can see the togetherness and you can see the fact that it is a team. It's not kind of a group of players come together. You know, a lot of them are local lasses and you can see it. You can see the pride in it. Yeah. And in Coventry, they're not they're not like Coventry born and bred, but a lot of them are Midlanders. And you can, you know, there's a lot of local pride in there. And I was talking... I did an interview the other week after all this had happened with Anna Wilcox, who's like one of the longest serving players 
And she said something that struck me. She said, you know, Katie Wilkinson, the captain, is her best friend, mm. uh, away from the pitch as well. And one of the things she said about it is when I asked her and said, you know, when you see all this stuff about is the team splitting up and whatever else. And she said, you know, this is a dream because for me, you know, I've grown up playing as a kid with Katie and with Liv Ferguson as well and a bunch of other players. And this was a chance to play with them professionally and it looked like it was going to be taken away. So, and she said, you know, I'm, I'm a strong character, but this hit me really hard. And I think then, then it struck me how strongly it was and how strong the bonds were. And I think there is a lot of parallels, perhaps, between um, Coventry United story and Sunderland's in terms of the against adversity and the team wanting to get back together and come back together as a group. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, we'll, we'll go back to the to the stories. Obviously, you know, as you mentioned before, your Christmas was was ruined, you know, um, and and then out of like I say, like the phoenix rising from the ashes. Really, we get the news that um, Coventry United were set to be saved by um, Energy Angels chief Lewis Taylor, um, and Lewis, I believe, has put two hundred thousand pounds in to ensure Coventry finish the season, uh, and is set to purchase the club. Um, you know. Or, or has purchased a club now. I mean, describe the feeling then, Paul, from from being so down in, in the dumps, you know, and not knowing when your next, you know, radio company is going to be or the next time you watch Coventry United Ladies, to being saved, you know, like I say, the, the, the Phoenix rising up again, really. Well, it's it's weird because we're used to, you know, I sound hard bit and stuff, we're used to disappointment in Coventry, but we're also used to great escapes. And this feels like one this felt like one of those because it literally all happened in a few days and i along with everybody else started to see because it was the power of social media that did it i am convinced to this day it was the power of social media that did it because um it was people within the game sharing it and if if i could if you could take one lesson from this it's the power of the football community i think that was huge. Lewis, like Lewis has put the money in and obviously he's done a huge chunk of the work, but he said, I've spoken to him and he said, if it hadn't have been for social media, I might not even have been aware of it. Mm-hmm. And now suddenly I was aware of it. And a few days later, I'm, I'm the new chairman and owner of a football team as a result. Yeah, because it was a huge like GoFundMe um, page, wasn't it? Um, for, for, the, for, the, for the ladies and everything like that. And, and obviously, I think... Because obviously a lot got shared on Twitter, didn't it? Because I shared uh, quite a lot of art on Twitter. And just to see them, you know, obviously being a club still, you know, because I, I, I thought that would have been such a shame, um, especially with... It was quite tight at the bottom, as you said, you know, uh, Watford, you just just replaced Watford. Uh, Watford just plays you guys serve at the bottom and kind of felt that the season was, was due to start, you know, in January, wasn't it? Our season starts now, you know what I mean? And trying to pull, pull a few players down, pull a few teams down there uh, with you guys. Yeah, very much. And I I don't I again I am very much on the periphery, so I can't I almost can't speak to the impact of it except mm-hmm. personally as someone who covered the team. But I think you know, just to feel just to realise, oh actually, this team has been saved. And Coventry United do still have a women's team. Mm-hmm. And I am 
me personally, I am going to get to watch and commentate on this group of players who have, you know, built up a real attachment to. Yeah. As well, this season playing because even because you know even even when they were losing, they it was kind of glorious losing. It was never you never felt they didn't care. Yeah. yeah. And you yeah. know the the people around it and stuff like that and this that. We're we're quite big on emotional attachment as well in Coventry towards our sports teams. So, you know, it's this team feels like it's got Coventry in it in a way that perhaps some teams who've played for Coventry City in the past haven't or whatever else. It's just a real story that the city can get behind, I think, and yeah. hopefully will get behind for the rest of the season. Totally feels I'm exactly the same with Sunderland ladies, like I said. Um, I, I, I absolutely love it, and you know we'll, we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about you know there, there has been a ten point deduction, and I know that you feel really really strongly about that. We'll talk about that in a minute, but I we'll we'll bring Gary in on this as well because Gary Gary's an outsider looking in on this. He doesn't. He, I don't think he's been to a women's game or anything like that. But for people who are listening to to, to our podcast, who probably you know haven't. Been to a ladies game, but say, oh, there's a there's a ladies there's a ladies team just around the corner, like like you said there. There's a ladies team, you know, who play around about three miles away from from us on a Sunday. It's quite cheap to get in. You know, what would you say to the people who would try and maybe want to try it for the first time? Because I would say just go ahead and do it because you won't be disappointed. Yeah, I would. Yeah, say... I, yeah. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Gary. I've to... No, I'm no, sure. I was just saying. Yeah, I would, I would say the same. I mean, um, just to just to quickly put a point in there. I mean, like, yeah, I don't really know much about the women's game, but you know, I see Anne sharing stuff on Twitter. So then, for example, like his Twitter space, which he does with Rotor Report, I see that, and you know, that's putting it out there. And again, it comes back to that, like you said about the power of social media. You're putting stuff out on Twitter, therefore you take like a little bit of a vested interest into it. I mean, when when we were at the game the other day, Anne asked if you went to the ladies, and obviously said it was called off because the pitch was absolutely destroyed from the weather and stuff and like yeah. gets no sun you take a vested interest in it because you see it out there and you see it on social media and again that's the power of it and you know i would 100 percent like say you know if, if there's a game around the corner like like you've said it's worth checking it out to see what you think of it yeah 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 paul if you want to come in on that as well man i well you know you you know I'm like you, I'm a massive advocate of the game, but yeah. I think I think the first time I went, it was just seeing, you know, I guess I can remember going to, when I first started watching Coventry and stuff, and it takes a little while. It's almost the sheer size in the men's game sometimes. You know, the first few games you go to are kind of a blur because there's so much happening, whereas a women's game, it almost feels more intimate because the crowds are a bit smaller, but it's still just as noisy and you can... You know, the players will come over afterwards and meet the crowd as well. So there's that interaction. And just because, like you mentioned, the fundraiser, uh, that actually started up through the daughters of a local Coventry fundraiser because Michael Mogan is the name that everybody kind of associates with it because he's he's the fundraiser and he's well-known around here for doing stuff like that. But it's because his his daughters convinced him to do it because they played for the junior team. Right, okay, yeah. And you know, one thing one thing you'll notice if you go to a women's game, and I'm sure you've noticed at Sunderland, is the way kids, particularly girls, interact with the female players. Yeah. And how, you know, it's they're real positive role models. So I'd say the people considering going, particularly if you've got 
uh, young daughters and you want to get them interested in sport, then women's football is an amazing way to do it. 100%, yeah. And, and I, I kind of agree with what you're saying there, because it happens to some as well where the players are full-time, you know. At the minute, I don't think they're allowed to, with, with, obviously with COVID, what's going on with COVID at the moment. Um, I know when we played Liverpool in the Conti Cup, uh, won on penalties, and then the first thing I want to do is go off and congratulate Nave Aaron, who had the game of her life. But we couldn't because obviously, you know, and I, I totally get that, you know what I mean? But how approachable they are. I mean, I've, I've built up now probably, you know, you know, several, like, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, friendships yet, but, you know, several, you know, bonds with the ladies, with the ladies' players because we just have a bit of a laugh on Twitter or whatever or, you know, send them a couple of messages to say, well done, everything like that. And you don't really get that on the men's side, obviously, you know, because it's, it's just that much... You know, it's, I think I think they're more sheltered. You know what I mean from from uh, from fans, really. Um, but I want to go on to because even through all this story, through the um, the liquidation and the resurrection, we haven't heard from the FA yet. The first time we hear from the FA is a statement which I'm going to read out now. And and Gary, I'm, I'm sure you want to listen to this as well. This is this is the FA's first kind of footsteps into this whole into this whole saga really and the football association can confirm that a 10-point deduction has been imposed on currently united ladies fc pursuant to rule 19.2.2 of the fa women's super league and the fa women's championship competition rules the points deduction has been applied immediately in accordance with competition rule 19.2.4 the automatic points deduction may be paid by currently united ladies fc in accordance with competition rule 19.2.9 this is their currently um this is major talk and now the end of the statement this is their currently now bottom of the league on minus four 10 points behind watford who are in 11th now talk about paul kicking a team while they're down you know what i mean yeah. i mean the timing of that was absolutely ludicrous it it, re- it was, and I've obviously I'm I'm going to be careful what I say because I don't want to bring it anything. But I think I think you saw, and I think if you look at the, if you just look at on Twitter that tweet where the FA Women's Championship announced it, mm-hmm. if you want to know what the football world thought of it, all you have to do is look at the responses and look at the responses in the quote tweets to that one. And I think I think it sums it up better than I could because. Although although people at the FA had been involved and it looked like they weren't, and Katie Wilkinson came out and said there were people involved at the PFA and people involved at the FA who were very much trying to help. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when the first FA mention of it is this 10-point deduction after, after the FA hadn't seemingly said anything about it, it was almost like they watched the ship crash onto the rocks were looking at it and then as soon as the lifeboat turned up and saved everybody they shot holes in it yeah and it's you just look at it and go why you know yes there are rules but the level of you can tell it's a big organization doing it and you can tell it's very much a right okay we'll just press this button because that's what we're supposed to do and I think the way United have taken it, like Katie Wilkinson just quote tweeting it with, guess we better get on with it then. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, the new owner, Lewis, basically saying, well, we'll appeal, but, you know, we'll get on with it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Gary, again, um, uh, sorry, Paul, Gary, just again, out, outside looking in on this, um, if this was 
your club that you know you supported, you know you had a vested interest in. You've just seen, you know, you've almost seen what you've almost seen the end of it, only to be resurrected, and then you're getting hit with that. I mean, that's got to leave a really sour taste in your mouth, hasn't it? Definitely, because like you know, like they've been saved that should be like a joyous time like relief do you know what i mean and then you find out oh, actually yeah well you're gonna get a points deduction for that i mean you're right it is a kick in the teeth and, and again going to points deductions any teams that potentially suffer financial difficulty whether it be ladies men's teams or any team i don't get why a points deduction is a thing because ultimately if a team for example derby if a team has a points deduction you're kind of putting a nail in their coffin for them to be relegated. Therefore, their financial status is still going to suffer. That in in essence, it's not really helping. So I don't know why why it, it's a thing. Like in all honesty, I mean a suspend like a suspended points like kind of deduction. Fair enough. Like you know, let the team get back on. Let a team get back on the feet. But like I just think much like you've just said there, it is an absolute kick in the teeth. It's like, thank God we're being saved, but there's your 10-point there's your ten point deduction. Yeah, I, I mean, what really kind of gets me about it, um, is this, this is to both as well, and, and obviously, Paul, you'll know this um, pretty much as well as I do. I mean, the the Women's Championship, it, it it's what, 11, 12? It's 11 teams, isn't it? Um, 12 teams, sorry, sorry, 11, 11 includes something yeah. as well. Um, so it's 12 teams, so, you know, that's, you know, my really, really shit maths, it's 24 games. Now, you're looking in, in the men's side of things, you know, we'll take Derby, for instance. Derby have suffered, you know, points deductions, but they've got, you know, 46 games to get that back. Currently, you've got, they've played half the season now. So, um, you know, I'm not sure how many games you've got left yet, but uh, so I haven't done the um, full research on that. But there's a 10-point gap now beyond Watford. I know it's doable, but it's asking a hell of a lot. And, and really, for me, that... The, the fact that there's apparently been imposed, I'm kind of all right with. You know, I'm, you know, I can kind of understand where that's come from. But ten points is is bloody steep, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think there's an argument. There's certainly an argument for if the rules are there. I don't think anybody at Coventry would want to stay up by one point and then have to deal with. You know, have, have the penalty overturned, then stay up by one point and have Watford and possibly other teams with the logic to turn around and say, oh, well, you know, you were down and you've, you've literally only stayed up because of this. Um, but I think, I agree with you, two points. I think, I think I've seen a lot of people say about proportion and say, right, okay, there's half the amount of games left to pull it back, so it should be half the penalty. Mm-hmm. Which, which in the women's championship terms is two wins. Now, one of the last game of the season for Country United is against Watford, so that you know that's potentially a six-point swing that yeah. game by itself. And then two wins to get back to um, where they were before this happened. Which let's not forget was no fault of the players or management. Mm-hmm. Then I think I don't think there would be many from any club who would look at that and go yeah okay justice has just justice has been done both ways because the fa has said if you do go into administration you can't just use it to get out of uh, financial issues because there are there will be consequences but 
Coventry United have been given a fair fight. And more to the point, the FA Women's Championship hasn't had its competitive integrity kind of solid a bit. Mm-hmm. Because I think, let's, let, let's face it, Liverpool are probably going up this season because of yeah, the resources. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and, you know, with... There's only one relegation spot, and with with men's leagues, even if there's one team dumped down the bottom, there's still the interest for fans and um, broadcasters and media that there's still two spots to fight over that possibly won't be decided to the last day of the season. Whereas this, if it looks to a lot of people, we'll be looking at it and going, oh, well, there's nothing to play for for any team below second or third, really. Mm-hmm. Because they don't have to worry about relegation. Yeah, because there's not much in in terms of um, of money wise, is there? For you know, where you look at it, you look at it like a Champions League place or something like that in in uh, the Premier League or even a Europa League is you know worth millions and millions of pounds. I mean, you know, we've I mean we could have another comp- we could have another complete the other conversation uh, for another time about the money that's in the uh, especially in the women's championship it's it's not much at all so you, you might see a lot of dead rubber games um fingers crossed there isn't and fingers crossed i mean i'm hoping that we see a really really good run from Coventry. you know when when uh, when we start playing again i mean have you have you got a game sunday sheffield yeah oh, that's that's a winnable game isn't it you know sheffield's United are, are all right the yeah the, it's a winnable one though isn't it i mean i'm expecting do you think now obviously with with having i mean what's happened you know having for you know pretty much a fresh start now that the girls are just gonna really kick kick on now um you know this is our second chance basically i mean they, i mean they were starting to anyway results didn't show what this team were i don't think at all if you looked at the results should be set yeah, Coventry United aren't that good. They've signed all these players. They're just rubbish. But in terms of runs of luck, and I know I'm a bit biased, but in terms of runs of luck and in terms of the way this team played, you know, it was really starting to come together, running not them close in the Continental Cup, putting them back from 2-0 down, um, beating Durham as well. I, 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 would go with you. I don't want to put too much pressure on them, and I... But I would go with you. I think the team was starting to come together anyway, so I think we'd have seen a better second of the half anyway. But I think with this added motivation behind them and the kind of having gone through this experience together, I think you'll see a Coventry United team that no team will want to play yeah. after this. Yeah, I mean, for for the rest of the season, I just wish them all the best luck. Apart from when they come up here and play Sunderland at uh, Everton Colliery, you know, I'll be I'll be keeping a massive, massive eye on for those uh, for those results, uh, Paul. But um, yeah, like I say, starting from Sunday, very much the best of luck, and fingers crossed that they manage to uh, they manage to get out of it. I mean, it's it's going to be a huge ask, but. As you said before, there, uh, you know, when the backs of the walls, what do people do? They fight back, don't they? So fingers crossed it'll be um it'll be a happy ending. Um and if not, then I'm fairly confident they'll come straight back up anyway, as long as they keep, you know, the mutinous of players that's there. And and as you've just said there, the majority of them are, if not all of them are, are staying, aren't they? So at least they're willing to see this out. Yeah, at least at least this season. I think because they know, you know. I think for for a lot of the players, because of the level of a lot of the players, um, players like Rio Hardy, for example, players like Katie Wilkinson, if they if, even if they're only guaranteed till May, 
um, money-wise or whatever else, they've got the chance to, you know, make themselves almost legendary mm-hmm. and really make themselves, or they can go mid-season to another team and try and f- start from scratch in terms of fighting their ways into the squad. So I think, I think the vast majority of them will stay. I think all of the rumours might... I won't believe any of the rumours until I actually see any player sign for another club. Yeah. Basically. Or have it officially confirmed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. We, we're used to great escapes in Coventry. Um, so, fingers crossed we can pull off another one. Yeah, fingers crossed. And like I say, we'll, we'll be keeping uh, our eye out on uh, on Waterball Lake for them. And uh, obviously, apart from being a bias for you, apart from when they play Sunderland, I hope they win every other game that they've got this season. And uh, hope there's a happy ending. Um, but Paul, for, for now, we are going to bring you back in because we're going to talk about the um, the FA Cup third round that happened um, this week. But thanks very much so far, anyway, for the um, for that great insight. I think, you know, I think we've all learned a, a fair bit, you know, and um, I think whoever listens to this is going to, have the um, the country United scores on the on the phones, I think, and, and really hope that they manage to get it away. So, cheers for coming on, and like I say, we'll start we'll talk to you again in a second. Anyway, I'm going to pass pass over to Gary, um, who's going to take us through the FA Cup third round. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, let's let's start off with like a, a couple of shocks at least. Anyway, I mean, um, a big one. Um, and I'm not going to mention that team just yet, but I'm going to mention Hartlepool knocking out um. Blackpool 2-1. I mean, Hartlepool for, for years has been a team kind of in obs- obscurity a little bit. Um, and, you know, Blackpool aren't doing too bad in the championship, the 12th at the moment. Um, so, you know, that that's that's a good victory. Um, good little victory, moral victory for, for the North East as well. Um, obviously, a team that didn't do too great uh, was, was Newcastle, who got put out by Cambridge 1-0. And, you know, you've got to give a shout-out to, to Cambridge's goalkeeper. I think he had the game of his lifetime. Um, but you know the the, the thoroughly deserved it. The you know they held the pressure well, got the goal, came out of it with the win. I mean, very 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 good result for them. Um, another shock obviously was was Arsenal and Notts Forest. Um, I thought that was actually quite a physical game. I definitely thought there would have been a red card in it. Um, with with Nottingham Forest obviously getting the uh, the one nil win. Um, so. That was an interesting one as well, but you know they they look quite good under Steve Cooper. Um, I don't know if you saw any of those games, and um, for me, the one thing I haven't mentioned actually because I am going to mention it later on. But for me, a great result to see Kidderminster Harriers from the non-league beating Reading and actually getting a really really good draw in the fourth round. They've got West Ham at home, so you know they're going to be. Uh, and we always say about the FA Cup third round. I think you know. You like to see the underdogs, you know, we've been literally we're talking about an underdog story, you know, today tonight and it's a great to see them, you know, get into the fourth round, you know, they'll get the telly money, you know, um they'll be bouncing, they'll be they'll be, you know, a full I would imagine a full stadium there. Yeah. Um bar that, you know, again I echo the Cambridge result, thought that was excellent for them. Um but one I really liked, even though the loss was Chesterfield against um against Chelsea, um, you know, they were getting they were getting hammered. And they managed to score, and the whole like the the celebrate as if they'd won the FA Cup. I love that. I love them. Like that's the magic of the FA Cup for me. You know, they're still celebrated. You know, they're not going to get to play Chelsea probably ever again. You know what I mean? Unless they're getting drawn them in the cups, which which might be unlikely. But for something like that, I, I really um, I really enjoyed. Um, but I thought the whole third round had everything. There was goals. There was shocks. There was there was all sorts. It was it was a proper proper good weekend of uh, of football really. 
It was, and you've got to you've got to kind of love like you know the concept of the FA Cup. Like I I I hear it when you see managers like kind of take the tournament lightly, or even the Carabao, even. But like you know, this this is a chance to win a trophy for your team, and you know, seeing you know the the lower league sides like like you say, Kidderminster Harriers, Harriers, uh, who have now got West Ham. It's a great day out for the supporters, um, and you know the supporters, regardless win win loss or draw, um, you know it's it's a big thing for them. Which which is great. I mean, Paul, what what do you think of the the FA Cup? I mean, I I love it. But I said because I was covering it obviously for the sat for my Saturday sports show. Best football weekend of the year, mm. in my opinion. Third round of the FA Cup. I mean, you you've highlighted you both highlighted the major games if you like. But the thing I love about the third round of the FA Cup is you get teams that and games that you look at on paper and go, well, that's not very glamorous because you're obviously looking at the Premier League teams versus lower league and whatever else. But they're the best games. And one of those in particular was Barnsley versus Barrow, which was 5-4 after extra time. Really yeah. good game, that. Really good game when I saw the highlights of it. I mean, how, how often do you get to see a nine-goal thriller in anything? Never mind a lower league team constantly coming back. And scoring two goals, I think they scored something like two goals in the final three minutes. Barrow did mm-hmm. to take it to extra time as well. It was, you know, and I was we were tracking it and obviously keeping people updated. And just it was, it's it's games like that when when people turn around and say, "Oh, the FA Cup's losing its magic and whatever else." It's like, well, no, because even if you look outside the the big games and the big clubs. For some clubs, this is you know the highlight of their year. For Barnsley, who are down near the bottom of the Championship, and Barrow, who are you know mid-table in League Two, mm-hmm. the FA Cup third round is their cup final. Yeah, doesn't matter who they're playing, and that's that's what I love about the FA Cup. And obviously, I did have a bit of a chuckle at the Newcastle result as a neutral. Um, <laughs> well, we did we did as a non-neutral. <laughs> well, I say, I say neutral. Um, with Sunderland ladies and stuff, I'm probably slightly more towards the red and white side of the thing, so I did enjoy it. And I did very much enjoy, I think, every Sunderland fan on Twitter yelling League One at Newcastle fans and taking yeah, revenge as well as was there. We get it. It was a enjoyable. We, we get it a lot, especially, I mean, in the week where the sign came and Trippier and put levels on after Sunderland had signed uh, Trey Hume from Lingfield. I mean, it's just, yeah, it was nice to get one back, I think. You know, it, it really was. And, and that was, I mean, that was my highlight of the FA Cup third round, but it, it, it certainly was in my top three. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, um, I, I nearly did a cluffy, um, cluffy impression there, but I thought I'd best not. Um, Right, yeah, we'll we'll move on, Paul. We'll um, obviously we've, we've had you for for an hour now. We'll move. We have a regular feature um, on what a ball ache. It's um, baller and ball ache of the week. Um, for for those first time listeners, basically we pick our favourite sporting moment or sporting person of the week, which is your baller, or and then your least sporting moment of the week, which is a ball ache. Now this can be any sport, any sports person. And, you know, basically, it's it's good week, bad week, basically. But, Paul, we'll start with yeah. you because you, you are our guest. So, we'll start off with your baller. Oh, I can feel the pressure now. You know, <laughs> I want to say Joe. I want to say Joe Ironside. Uh, <laughs> but um, I think uh, the, actually, Nottingham Forest. And, well, the two, can I nominate two if they're both yeah. done the same thing? Cool. Um, Birmingham. 
Birmingham City women and also Nottingham Forest men for managing to make it a really bad day for Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. For those who don't know, but Birmingham City, who are near the bottom of the WSL, managed to beat the mighty Arsenal, who have got an embarrassment of riches, haven't they? I mean, um, they've got Mido, who was ex-Sunderland, and Mido, again, if you're listening, come home. <laughs> and when are you home? Katie, if you're listening, I've, I've got that in for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, great, great result for both, I think. And it's 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 um, it's not been a good week for Arsenal, so that's, that's a great one. Gary, you're, you're next. Um, I'm going to completely go bias for the first uh, episode of Ball Lake 2022. I'm going to go with Christian Speakman and the guys at Sunderland because I thought like it was very noble to, to not call off the game with Wigan yeah. because of the COVID cases. You know, they took into consideration, and, and as a Sunderland fan, I mean, when were the fans really, really considered? If this was Ellis Short, this wouldn't have happened. Um, You know, they were considered the travel, it's four and a half hours or something for most people to drive there and yeah. get back. Um, that was all considered. It's like, we are not going to cancel the game because we understand that people would have already travelled down. And I thought that was just class. Like, And yeah, maybe that's biased because I'm a Sunderland fan, but I just thought taking into consideration the fans and you know the hardship and the effort that they've had to put in to get there as well as the money that they've actually forked out to go there as well i just thought that was really classy of us yeah i mean in, in hindsight it probably hasn't worked because we're picked up one point and six when <laughs> we could have called both games off but at the end of the day i think you know they'd rather get that out of the way avoid a fixture backlog which has cost them in the past um so yeah i agree with that i think that's a really really good good one um i'm going to i'm just i can't go go beyond kidderman's diaries you know taking taking out reading and um, there was a wonderful uh wonderful tweet on on twitter with uh with the manager at the end when the the warning i mean that the the, the players were going mental in, in the ground he says look we've we've got a game tuesday enjoy tonight but chooses our bread and butter chooses our league and then he was like we haven't been in the FA Cup fourth round in forty years, but we are now, baby. And I just loved it. Oh, that was that's again like what Paul mentioned. That's the magic of the FA Cup. So Kidderminster Harriers is mine. We'll move on to Ball Lake. Paul, we'll we'll go to Ball Lake. Like I say, from Sublimes and Ridiculous, really, mate. Um, well, can you pick? Can you pick Newcastle United? Is that too obvious? No, um, it's up to you. It's up to you. Um. Because I'm, I'm torn between, in terms of embarrassing collapses, you've got Newcastle United and you've got the England cricket team. So, I think, I think, I think to leave it open for you guys, because I'm kind of technically a neutral, I'll go with the England cricket team and their performance in the Ashes. Um, because, you know, I, I get Australia are an amazing team and whatever else, but to travel, to travel and just be as bad as they have been mm. in what what's supposed to be you know the the game to play in particularly if you're a english cricketer uh the series to play in you just kind of look at it and go you just haven't turned up have you lads and so and so it's it's got to be them i think for this week particularly and just their absolute collapse over christmas and new year and getting humiliated by australia 
Yeah, I mean, the, the worst thing is about that one, man. I've got to talk about that for an hour next week because that's our topic for next week. <laughs> and I predicted that we'd win. <laughs> so I think balling of the week for next week's me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great point. It's a great point. They've been... They've not been great. Um, and But we will talk about that a bit more next week. Gary, we'll go on here, mate. Right, so my ball ache of the week um, is uh, Yanni Sikazwe, who was the, <laughs> the referee for the Mali-Tunisia <laughs> game in the AFCON. Um, oh, you've stole mine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've been watching the AFCON as well. And so far, some of the games have been pretty dull. But that one was definitely not dull. Um, so obviously he got his t- timekeeping completely wrong and blew for full time in the 85th minute and then got his timekeeping wrong again and blew for full time in the 89th minute. Obviously that caused absolute hell on um, between between Mali and Tunisia. Um, Tunisia, obviously, obviously Tunisia were going to lose. They, they were 1-0 down. Um, then the teams went out uh, to the back, uh, obviously got the shower. Mali came back out, put the, put the shirts on. Tunisia didn't come back out to play the remaining minutes. It was just absolute chaos. Um, but, you know, he, he's admitted he got his timekeeping wrong. Um, I would like to say it happens, but I think it's the first time I've ever seen it happen. Um, but that was very, very interesting. Do you know what the funniest thing was about that? Um, the first time, the, like the 85th minute when he, when, he, when he blew it for full time, and then he checked his watch. And then he threw up the my bad, <laughs> he threw the my bad signal up to me. I was just absolutely creased at that ball. Yeah, he, I mean that Marley coach was going absolutely berserk, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, but uh, you try and style it out, wouldn't you? As well, after the first time, you try and style it out and kind of go, oh, stop play, right, drop ball, carry on. You wouldn't give it the full. Okay, I've massively messed up here, but then do it again four minutes later. <laughs> Yeah, you, you at least add more time on, wouldn't you? You think, oh, I'll like I'll overcompensate instead of undercompensate it. But it's it's been the highlight of the African Cup of Nations so far. But that's really not saying much because there hasn't really been many good games, has there? Been one nils, hasn't it? Most of the uh, most of the tournament, I think. Yeah. And and uh, Paul, can I ask you both a question about the Afcon? Um, so do you think Afcon is, to be honest, disrespected by a lot of? A lot of managers, a lot of football managers, obviously not letting the players go. Like for example, Watford didn't want to Emmanuel Denis go or Saw. Do you do you think the disrespect the tournament? Um, I'll, I'll let Paul answer first, mate. I've got my own little views on it, but I'll let Paul answer first. I don't, I'm I'm not sure about managers disrespecting it because you know this their players and they've they've. they've they've got their employees. So I suppose they've got a legit point to say. Well, hold on a minute. If you want to hold the African the African Cup of Nations, why can't you hold it? Um, particularly more so now when the vast majority of squads play in Europe, um, in the richest leagues in the world, and have, you know have their jobs. And the Afcon will kind of look at it and go, "Well, this happens every year." But I think saying that, I think the media particularly disrespects it, and I think the onus is on the clubs to plan for that. Yeah. Knowing that if you if you're going to sign a Mo Salah, a Sadio Mane, you know that there's you're signing those players with the expectation that every other year they're going to be gone for a month to play in their continent's international tournament and represent their country. And I think I think it shows a disrespect to international football if they then complain about that happening. So yeah, 
I think I think there is definitely not so much the standard of the tournament itself because you know it's obviously as well covered as it can be and I have it's massively watched in Africa and people keep an eye on it and track it more and more so but I think there's definitely the disrespect of managers in Europe towards the tournament they see it as an annoyance yeah in a way they never would with the European or or even indeed the Copa America yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the the bother the bother is with it all, and, and and it isn't the Afcon's fault that it's 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 on where it is. It's been on from you know, it's been on that times from from as long as I can remember. It's it's you know basically you're looking at you know like you take Liverpool. Liverpool have lost the two best players for three weeks, and if that derails their season, where to be honest, they're not going to win the title now anyway because I think it's City to lose any ball. If say they were take two points behind City and have lost, you know, Manny and Salah, and you're kind of thinking. I think as a, as a manager there, you're thinking, well, I need these guys back, and I, and I think it is, as you said there, it's more of a hindrance to, you know, managers in Europe, you know, because they know, but but you know that this is going to happen, so you know why not in in this summer have you kind of thought right, I'm going to sign a attacker who's going to be on the bench, but I might need him for the three weeks the African Cup Nations is on, so. You know, yeah, I think there is a little bit of disrespect. I think Gary's right, but in in another sense, surely you can plan for it. Um, and it's my yeah. turn for Borlick, isn't it? It's my turn. Sorry, Gary, but yeah, I think uh, Gary or Borlick was mine. So I've quickly changed. I've quickly changed to probably the biggest news story of 2022 so far. The um, the saga of Novak Djokovic. Firstly, being allowed into Australia with a medical exemption, then getting thrown out of Australia, getting put into a detention hotel, which doesn't sound great at all, does it? Only to now be allowed to play, but has then kind of come out and said, well, I actually tested positive three weeks ago and did a sports interview. So, yeah, Novak Djokovic wins my ball league of the week uh, this week. I mean, I've lauded over Novak Djokovic for so long, being a tennis fan. I think he's the best the best of our generation, if not the best ever, but he is really cocked up this time. And I kind of think he's been a bit arrogant about it and thought, I can beat the system here in probably the the best immigration system in the world, in the Australians, who don't take any, you know, shit, to be honest. And Gary, that will cost 50 pounds. But, um, yeah, so Novak wins mine. And I kind of, as much as I love him, I don't want him to win it now. You know, I want him, I want someone else to win it now because I think he's been a bit arrogant about it all. Dump him out in the first round. I hope someone dumps him yeah. out in the first second. Oh, round. he's playing a stirp in the first round as well. He's playing he's playing a countryman and and it couldn't have got he couldn't have got a better round, I think. Um I'm Gary, I'm sure we'll we'll probably talk over the yeah. the Austrian Cup when it finishes in a couple of weeks' time. Um but uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll, well, I think that's a, a good way to end it. Um, Paul, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Um, and good luck with the commentary for the rest of the season. Good luck for commentary ladies. Fingers crossed. Um, I hope they get out of it. And um, I'll no doubt talk to you at some point down the line anyway. But cheers very much for taking the time out to, to tell us the story. And I'm sure um, people who have listened to the first time have been very interested by it and will be rooting for you guys uh, when the season ends. Yeah, thanks for your time. Men, no, many, th- many thanks for having me on the pair of you. It's been a pleasure. No worries at all. Thank Gary, you. as always, thank you so much. Um, you we will be back next week. We've got Lucy Reese coming on again. Um, 
to talk about the Ashes. Um, I think we've got a couple more guests lined up as well, but we'll uh, we'll mention nice them panel, next week. Really. <laughs> Pardon? We've got basically a panel to talk about the Ashes. We have a panel, yes, we have a panel. I'll, we'll we'll <laughs> mention that. Um, we'll mention that next week. Um, but yeah, um, thanks very much, everyone, for listening. Hope you have a lovely week. Hope you're all staying safe. We'll catch you soon. Take care. Bye for now. Podcast Network.